You can't handle the truth. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! <laughs> You're gonna need a bigger boat. Get away from her, you bitch! The first rule of Fight Club is, you do not talk about Fight Club. To infinity and beyond! Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Hello and welcome to the Samuel and Manuel Movie Podcast, episode 80. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Reimer. And I'm Manny Manuel. Well, we got a lot to talk about tonight. Manny, let's jump right into telling the people where they can find us on social media so we can get to all the good stuff. Nice. Yeah, they can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Sam underscore Banny underscore movie. They can email us at sammanymoviepodcast at gmail.com. They can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Luminary, and Stitcher. If you'd like to leave us a five-star review on iTunes, we greatly appreciate it, as it does increase our profile and allows more people to find this lovely little podcast that Samuel and I do. Indeed. So, um, it's been a little bit, Manny, since we've done a little recap of what we go over in our everyday lives as movie fans. You know, I feel like often this podcast takes up all of my energy as a as a film nerd you know like i'm focusing always on one movie a week but this week you and i have had a, a pretty decent week uh in film snobbery yes uh, so why don't you walk us through what you've been doing this week well the funny thing is is that you've mentioned film snobbery and the well one film i saw is the opposite of film snobbery <laughs> And the yeah, other, are you referring to the Viewist Universe uh, new edition? I am. I went and saw Jay and Silent Bob reboot. I am an unabashed, massive Kevin Smith fan. Um, while I haven't seen his entire filmography, I still haven't watched uh, Red State or Yoga Hosers or Tusk. And I only slightly watched Cop Out. Um, his Viewist Universe films hold a very special place in my heart like uh, they mean everything to me now while watching them the critic in me is livid for liking them the fun little super nerd in me is uh giggling throughout so i didn't even think jane silent bob reboot would come to kamloops i Know that they're doing the reboot Roadshow right now, where actually Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes are touring with the film. In fact, they're actually going to be in Calgary in January. Wow. Yeah. I won't lie. Contemplated coming out there. You know you have a coat to crash on. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. And I was going to drop a lot of money to do it with the VIP, where I got a meet and greet and all that kind of shit. Woo! Yeah. And, and a signed script. Science Man, script. Are, are you making some some money from this podcast? I'm not seeing come my way. Are you having a little bit of, little bit of kickback on this? Imagine, <laughs> imagine. No, this this podcast is burning a huge hole in my pocket. Um, <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> um, so I was when I found out um, for those of well, uh, the Kamloops Film Society purchased the Paramount Theater here in Kamloops, and since they have. They've really kind of turned it into a bit of an art house film, um, an art house theater, and they're showing a lot of they're showing a lot of movies that normally wouldn't come here. And 
I don't know how they got a hold of this print, uh, but I saw it was being advertised, and I fucking pounced all over it. I went and saw it. I loved it because it's Kevin Smith. Mm. If anybody has seen his View Askewniverse films, and when we say View Askewniverse, it's funny because he had a shared cinematic universe before Marvel did. And uh, so those movies include uh, Clerks and Clerks 2, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, Jay and Silent Bob, uh, Strike Back. Am I missing one? I feel like I'm missing one, but I'm not. Um, so if you've seen those movies and you like it, then watching this, you're going to be overjoyed. There's so many callbacks. There's so many actors they got back uh, to come in and reprise their roles for little cameos. There's some really great cameos from people you wouldn't expect. Um, and I was just giddy throughout. And during press release um, and, and press tours for this and some of the interviews, Kevin Smith also mentioned that the film has some heart in it, and he's not lying. There's actually two scenes that came very close to making me cry. Um, there's a scene, uh, and there's no spoilers, um, but there's a scene with Ben Affleck, and for those of you that are deep dive Kevin Smith fans, um, Kevin Smith and Ben Affleck used to be best friends. They had a falling out. Uh, from the little rumors I heard, it's it was caused by Jennifer Garner, and he finally reached Kevin. Finally reached out, and Ben accepted. And there's a really touching scene between them that plays both kind of meta in the movie and in real life. And then Ben has this really fantastic monologue about parenting that is, it really hit close to home. And then, surprise, surprise, Jason Mewes delivers a really fucking touching monologue at the very end of the movie that is really heart-touching. And again, like I said, it came close to making me drop a little tear. Uh, the movie was was totally enjoyable so anybody that loves kevin smith's movies they probably already know they want to see this i can't recommend it enough for kevin smith fans Mm -hmm. for those that haven't seen any of his films don't bother you won't like it it's not it's not good filmmaking there's no great performances yeah it's uh other than that i had a fucking blast funny my experience my limited experience with kevin smith movies has been kind of unfortunate especially uh, my experience with the viewisk universe films Uh uh-huh it's been unfortunate in that i have seen them but i was much too young like i was far too young to be watching these movies from uh from an appropriateness standpoint uh, not to mention from an understanding standpoint Mm -hmm. so i have seen dogma i have seen chasing amy i have seen clerks but uh, all of these were courtesy of a friend of mine named Ian. Shout out, Ian. Hello, Hi, Ian. Listening. Um, he, when we were probably like, I don't know, preteens, uh, he was like, hey, my dad gave me these cool uh, R-rated movies uh, called Clerks Chasing Amy Dogma. We should watch them. And uh, like, well, I didn't fucking get half of it, obviously. Um, but I, I remember enjoying them. And then, of course, uh, we've talked about uh, Zach and Miri make a porno on the show before. Yes. That's not that's not Viewisk Universe. Nope. But uh, I, I really enjoy that movie, too. So, 
Yeah, I think I think. Hey, we were talking off air before uh, that we were looking for a topic for a potential series down the line. Maybe maybe that's one to explore. This is high on my want to do list. Yeah. <laughs> that's I could definitely use a revisit of all these. I would, it's been it's been far too long. I'm all I'm. That's <laughs> honestly that was almost my number one choice. Yeah. And uh, I, I was also uh, I was I know we don't like to plug other podcasts on this show, yes. but uh, there's this is up and coming uh, podcaster named Joe Rogan who has a little <laughs> little show. Um, and uh, he had he had Kevin Smith on earlier this week uh, or maybe last week. And I was listening to a little bit of their episode. And, yeah, it sounds like this was really a, uh, a proud, a proud movie for uh, Kevin Smith. I, I liked his bit talking about Ben Affleck. Um, I, I guess post heart attack. This is probably a, an important movie for him. Yeah. Yeah. For Kevin and, Smith. That is. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Rogan. Awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, this this was um, this was a big passion project for Kevin Smith, as a lot of his movies are. He he really kind of puts his heart and soul into most of the things that he does. Uh, um, uh, Cop Out being probably the main exception. As that's the only film he's directed that he didn't write. I did not know that. Yeah. But of course you did. Yeah, of course I did, because I'm a nerd. Um, and then the other film I got to see this weekend, again, thanks to the Kamloops Film Society, was Back to the Future. And I was desperately trying to remember, was I watching it in the exact same theater I saw it when it came out? In 1986, 1986, I think. Um, I went with, I, w- I, I took a date. Uh, her name, my mom. <laughs> <laughs> she sounds hot. Yeah. Hey, hey. And uh, <laughs> and. Uh, by the way, I have uh, I have 1985, Back to the Future. 1985. I was cl- I wasn't too far off. Yeah. Um, and then one of my best friends, Ray, and his partner Scott, joined me. And this is part of, I think the cal- I think they call it their family film, family film run or something like that. Anyways, it was free, totally free to go. And we went. Uh, I was I was first in line. I went super early because I want with it being free. I thought, well, it's probably going to be uh, fairly busy, and I want the seats I want. And we sat down, and I was super giddy. And the movie starts, and it was a fucking delight to watch it on the big screen again. And there's a couple other older movies uh, that they'll be showing later this month that I desperately want to go to. One, it doesn't look like I'm going to, but it's Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Nice. I know, which I didn't see. I've never seen on the big screen, so... I'm trying. You didn't, you didn't see that in theaters upon original release? No, I think that came out in like 83, 82, 83, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you'll check for me, which is awesome. Um, I definitely saw Temple of Doom, Last Crusade, and sadly Crystal Skull all in the theater, but I did not see Raiders in the theater. Yeah, it's a shame that uh, they, they stopped the Indiana Jones film series after three movies, as we all know. The fourth Indiana Jones movie uh, never never existed. Yeah, it's a fan film that some guy made. Um, uh, uh, 1981, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, 81, yeah. See, I was only six years old. So <laughs> that uh, I, I always – I don't want to get too far off because I, I, I'm definitely going to go back to, back to the future. But mm-hmm. the, the final scene 
in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, spoilers for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, three, two, one, go fuck yourself. Uh, when they opened the Ark and the spirit comes out or whatever you want to call it, freaked me the fuck out uh, as, a, as a young man, as a young boy. And so uh, I had a hard time watching it until I was probably maybe 11 or 12. Back to Back to the Future. I was on the edge of my seat, giddy, happy, and because it, they're promoting this as a, as a family film, which it is, I really contemplated taking Maya, but I thought the plot would be a little over her head, so I was like, I'll wait a bit. I was really tempted, but uh, there was a lot of kids there, all pretty much appropriate ages. Like I didn't see anybody that young. And the movie played perfectly. It got laughs where it's supposed to get laughs. But the highlight for me, and I fucking love theater experiences like this, is spoilers for Back to the Future. Three, two, one, go fuck yourself. When George knocks out Biff, there was cheering and applause in the theater. Yeah. And I fucking, I almost cried to hear that type of reaction. We're, we're like... 34 years later yeah and it still elicits that type of response oh it was fucking amazing i i was in heaven it was such a joy now they did cheat a little now because it's their projectors are digital which the funny thing was is just after the previews ended the menu screen for the blu-ray popped up (laughs) <laughs> as that's how they were showing the movie. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Hence the reason why they couldn't charge for people to oh, come watch it. Oh, that's interesting. That's why they can offer it. They they can't charge people to come watch it, so they make their money off the concessions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's how they, they skirt that issue. But it was an absolute fucking joy to see this movie, and I hope they continue with more like it. I know some of the other family movies they have coming up this month are Hook, which I think I'll probably take Maya to. And they have Shrek, which I'll take Maya to, and then I'm going to be angry because I say 75% of the jokes will probably not land because they were too topical. <laughs> but at least I'll be showing her the best animated feature of that of that year. Over, yes, Mon- over, over Monsters, Inc. Over Monsters, Inc., yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We've, we've been through the history of uh, the best animated feature a couple times and where Shrek falls into that. Yeah. And they're also showing um, a movie I haven't seen, uh, Arthur Christmas. Also haven't seen it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. And yeah. uh, they are showing, uh, obviously not with the, for the family film, like I said before, they're doing Raiders Lost Ark and they're doing the original Night of the Living Dead. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, Man, yeah, that's... It's like right after I move away from Kamloops, they start getting a good uh, film scene. Yeah, I know. I'm not complaining too much. I got a few theaters to choose from here in Calgary. But. Yeah, I bet there's a fucking fuck ton of great movies. Actually, I know, I know for a fact because it's the Cineplex chain is doing it. Godfather Two is being shown in cinemas soon. Really? Yeah. Same with uh, th- you. You know what's going on in Calgary better than I do. Well, it's just because it's Cineplex, so they do it nationwide. Oh right. Um, I know that in October they did a screening again at Cineplex nationwide of Silence of the Lambs. And uh, what's another one I missed? I can't remember another one I missed. Yeah, they got some. They got some other good ones coming up. But I'm like I said, I'm keeping my eye out because if something 
that I really want to watch on the big screen is coming, I will probably come <laughs> to Calgary and watch it with you. Especially, of course, es- open invite. Especially if they do Lawrence. Oh, yeah. You've been, you've been telling me literally since we met that yep. I need to watch Lawrence of Arabia on the big screen if ever possible. Yes, I can't stress that enough. For anybody that enjoys film, you need to see Lawrence of Arabia on the big screen. Don't watch it at home. If you live in a major market, just sit around, wait patiently. It'll probably come to a major theater at some point. <laughs> so and, you're saying we're not doing a Lawrence of Arabia episode anytime soon, at least until it comes to theaters. Yeah. Well, we, we will have to wait for that Oscar episode, but that's mid-60s, I think, so... Isn't, isn't that, like... I, I, for some reason, I had exactly 1960 in my head, but obviously you know it better than I do. No, no. Once we get past, like, mid-70s, mid to high-70s, my years on film are pretty uh, pretty bad, except for 1939. 62 62 yeah i would 52 for lawrence of arabia i would have i would have guessed like 65 66 like whatever yeah anyways so those are the two movies that i got to enjoy over the weekend sam uh you watched a few things as well yes uh first one i wanted to talk about not a movie at all so um anybody who knows me and i'd imagine most longtime listeners listeners of the podcast will know that I am obsessed with the show BoJack Horseman. Uh, they recently just released part one of season six. They're pulling a Breaking Bad and splitting their final season into two parts. What the fuck? So this is their final season. They've, they've come out and said it, uh, which was uh, a little bit heartbreaking, but also kind of a relief because uh, as it turns out, I've just finished rewatching Breaking Bad and it's so nice to see for once a show that ends perfectly um, before it gets bad. And I sort of feel that way about BoJack Horseman. I, I don't think it's on its way to getting bad, but I I kind of am glad that the writers have said that they ended it the way they wanted to end it. Nice. And uh, I, I do believe that it's um, not a perfect show, but a very, very good show. Uh, for those who don't know, it's a Netflix original series. If you look up any reviews online, it's frequently listed You know, as one of the best TV shows out there, and I tend to agree with that. It's one of those shows that sounds really dumb when you describe it. It, it. Whenever I describe it to people, it's so difficult to get people to watch it because it's about a world where anthropomorphic animals and humans walk alongside each other. And it's a, it's a horse who can walk and talk like a human named Bojack Horseman, who is the washed up sitcom star of the 90s. He started in a show called Horsin' Around, and now he's just a washed up alcoholic drug addict depressed uh you know has been basically and it's a it, it's a funny show it's a touching show uh it, it can be horribly depressing at times but it's very emotional and another reason why it's difficult to get people to watch it is because season one is kind of okay-ish in my opinion it's not bad but it's it's fine it's not really what the show is about um so anyway uh, i binged the first half of season six when it came out and uh, there, there are some brilliant episodes in it. I, I think a couple of them are among the best of the show. It's only eight episodes. It can be watched basically in a night, which I did. Um, and it's, it's really, really good. It got me excited for the second half, which comes out in January. If you want something good to watch in a short amount of time, uh, BoJack Horseman doesn't take that long, and it's, it's brilliant. 
Uh, Manny, you, you haven't seen any of it, right? No, none. I, I keep wanting to. It is definitely on my list based on your recommendation. Mm-hmm. I just kind of have a hard time finding the time to watch it. Because mm-hmm. like, like you mentioned earlier, our I, I feel like my entertainment choices are focused on our show. Yeah. And so I have to make sure I get those done for our podcast and then the rest of my my free time is uh limited yeah i am i am perpetually in the middle of a bojack horseman rewatch <laughs> i was actually upset because i wasn't able to finish my rewatch my, my current one while uh while preparing for season six but obviously i'd seen the show a million times already so i just watched season six and now i've gone back to where i was in my rewatch and i'm watching it all the way through again um so <laughs> Yeah, I, I I'm obsessed with the show. It's beautiful. It's haunting at times. It's um, it's a difficult show to get people to watch, especially because it's episodic as well. You can't just really jump into the middle of a season and be like, hey, what's going on here? It's very story and character dependent, but the characters are hilarious. They're deep. They're amazing. And not to mention the animation is some of the best you'll find on TV. So, uh, yeah, Bojack Horseman, highly, highly, highly recommend for anyone who hasn't watched Uh if you can make it through the first season, which, again, I think is fine, but some people don't like. Uh, if you can make it through the first season to the second one, uh, you're going to have a blast. All right. Bojack Horseman. Watch it. Bojack Horseman. So, after I stayed at home and binge-watched season six, part one of Bojack Horseman, um, on Halloween night, I found myself in one of my new favorite traditions. Oh, lovely. And that is a midnight screening of... Uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And well, again, for those who don't know, The Rocky Horror Picture Show is a terrible movie <laughs> starring Susan Sarandon and a guy whose name I can't remember. <laughs> Tim Curry. Oh, yeah, well, Tim Curry, but I was thinking the uh, the male, uh, the other male lead, Susan Sarandon's uh, spouse in that movie. Oh. I, I, I can't think of who that is. Anyway. Um, Barry Bostwick. Yes, Barry Bostwick. Thank you. Uh, it's a movie that basically defies explanation it's it's an old cheesy uh horror musical from the 70s uh it's batshit crazy and it was a box office flop at the time it made no money um but since it has become a cult classic it has become an interactive theater experience people dress up as characters on halloween night people yell shit at the screen people throw things it is a crazy and beautiful theater experience and it was my second year doing it um, and it's so much fun. Uh, Manny, I know you've seen the movie, but you haven't been to one of these screenings, correct? That is correct. And um, the Callous Film Society brought that movie to the Paramount Theater this year. Um, oh. But I was down in Vancouver experiencing Fright Night when they were playing it. It was not on Halloween. I think it was on the, the Saturday before Halloween. They did have a few rules with their showing. Um mm-hmm. One of the traditions is uh, – a couple of the traditions are throwing stuff at the screen. Uh, yes. That was not allowed at the screening in Kamloops. Um, but ev- they, they did ask uh, everyone to come in costume. And I think all the other traditions were uh, allowed to be observed, but nothing was allowed to be thrown at the screen. Yeah, so uh, we weren't throwing anything at the screen either, given that uh, the projection or the projection screen has a has a coating on it, uh, like the old fashioned ones do. Um, so we like in the opening scene. The opening scene is a wedding, and you're supposed to throw rice. So obviously, you're throwing rice in the audience, but not at the screen. There's a moment where somebody yells "Great Scott," and you throw a roll of Scott toilet paper. 
um, that also not supposed to be at the screen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, it, it's a ton of fun. I took uh, my friend Cam, who had never been before, and went with a couple of our other friends, Jordan and Emma, who are friends of the show, of course. Um, and it was it's just so much fun. You just go hang out in a crowd full of people who know the movie like the back of their hand. It's interactive. It's weird. The movie's terrible, but it's good terrible. It's, it's just it's such a fun time full of people who are just having a good, uh, good, safe time on Halloween night. I highly recommend anyone who has the opportunity lives in a city where they screen these sorts of things next year go see the rocky horror picture show on halloween night and you dressed up right i didn't actually i did not dress up as uh, as dr frankenfurter <laughs> yeah my friend ray who i mentioned to him about this uh said that him and i are going next year for sure and that <laughs> he is going to be dressing me as dr frankenfurter <laughs> i don't know if you have the legs for it i know and i said then i'm not going <laughs> And then he says, what about one of the monsters? I'm like, I'll do that. So we'll see. We'll see if he's serious or not. Uh, Cam uh, did dress up, actually. I felt so embarrassed because this was my second time going. It was his first, and he had never even seen the movie before. Uh, and he dressed up as Brad, <sighs> which is one of, the, it's one of the more reserved characters. You just you know get a button-up shirt and like a little vest over the top of it, I think. Yeah, I think and so. And that, that was about it. And a pair of thick frame glasses. So. Well, you better fucking up your game for next year. Yeah, well, I, I told him he's a, he's a, a buff blonde guy, so I was gonna get him to dress up as Rocky, just get him the gold spandex shorts. Nice, but uh, we couldn't couldn't get him there in time. So yeah, next year I gotta set my game up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, last thing I wanted to talk about real quick is uh, a movie that I just out of the blue kind of decided to rewatch. It's one that I love. It's one that I know Manny loves. Uh, it was the Best Picture winner for all of two minutes a couple years ago. Not even uh, before. <laughs> Before it had it uh, taken away and replaced with Moonlight, um, that is the 2000. What is it? 17? Yeah, sounds about right. Uh, sure. Let's go. 2017 movie La La Land, uh, starring Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. It is so much fun. I am Ugh. not, um, in spite of what uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show and La La Land would have you believe, I'm not actually a musicals guy, really. Um, uh, but La La Land has a fantastic soundtrack. Every every little aspect of this movie, I was just nerding out to myself like the costuming is beautiful the color palettes are beautiful the cinematography the choreography everything is just awesome not to mention ryan gosling learning how to play the piano for this movie like a boss yeah um the the main part of this movie that actually impressed me more i think this is my third time watching it uh the part of this movie that i discovered resonated with me is there's one tiny little scene in a jazz bar where Emma, Emma Stone has just told Ryan Gosling that she hates jazz. So he takes her to this little jazz bar and he's explaining over the music why it's beautiful and why it's great and why he's excited about it. And I just felt such a connection to him in that moment of just like, I've been that guy who's so passionate about something, whether it's music or a movie or movies in general or just anything. I've just been that guy where you're trying to get through to someone on the other side and get them to sh show them what's beautiful about something. And if there's one thing that comes across in Ryan Gosling's character in that movie, it's his passion for jazz yes. and his his drive to be a great musician. And I just love that so much. It, it just spoke to me on a different level this time around. And then the conclusion, fuck, I'm not going to spoil it because people should go watch it. But it is so heartbreaking, this, this conclusion to this movie. It's such a beautiful, bittersweet ending to this movie. It's such a spectacular 
film. And yes. I don't want to what's the word? Uh I don't want to disparage Moonlight's win because it Moonlight is a great film and it's definitely it it's definitely a movie I'd like to revisit as well. Me too. Um but for me La La Land should have been the best picture winner that year. Uh I do want to I, I definitely want to like I said, I, I really want to rewatch Moonlight because I, I do remember loving it, but I still felt that La La Land uh, was a better movie. Now, you and I are both Chazelle whores. Yes. And Damien Chazelle is a god. Yeah, even though you haven't seen his third film. And yes. um, you're, you're not, not a true fan. And... Um, <laughs> fake fan, fake fan. Yeah, fake fan, fake fan. And yeah, yeah, I. This is definitely a movie that you and I are going to talk about at length in a future episode, as this movie's just far too good to not discuss. So I don't, I don't want to dive too much into it. But when you told me prior to us getting ready for the episode that you had seen this, I immediately got jealous. Yeah, I immediately got jealous. This movie is a fucking delight. I've had uh, I've had City of Stars stuck in my head for the last couple of days too, and I am not mad about it. Right. Oh. Uh, winner of best original song that year, if I recall. Uh, let's see here. That is correct. Ooh, That's correct. I also uh, I wasn't sure if uh, Gosling did get nominated for his performance, and he sure, and he certainly did. He should have. He's really good in that movie. Oh, man, look at all these goddamn nominations. <laughs> oh. Who do we have that year? Sorry. You said, uh, are you looking at the Best Actor nominations? No, I'm looking at um, all the nominations that La La Land got. Oh, yeah. And it barely won any, if I recall. No, you'd be wrong. It won five, six. Oh, okay. It won six, it won six Oscars. But not Best Picture. No. Except for the two minutes where it did. Yes. What a bizarre night that was. That was. <laughs> All right. Okay, so that's that's a, a recap in the life of a couple of film nerds, and now on to the uh, the main course, I guess. Yes, this uh, film we're going to be talking about here uh, is Fury. Uh, we're doing this for Remembrance Day, so before we get started, I I would just like to give a little bit of respect to our veterans and members of the armed forces out there in Canada and across the world that put in their time, effort, uh, hard work and sacrifice to allow us to have the freedoms that we all enjoy. The work that they do, the stuff that they do, it goes beyond the scope, I believe, of any of our, any of us to fully understand. And so I'm glad that we have a day where we recognize veterans, both past, present, and in the future. And for Canada, that's Remembrance Day. Uh, I think it's called Veterans Day in the States. They have a different name for it. Uh, I, I can't remember. They have Veterans Day and Memorial Day, but I can't remember which yeah, is Yeah, Memorial which. Day is earlier in the year, if I'm not mistaken. I think Veterans Day is still November 11th in the States. Uh, yeah, Veterans Day. Yeah, Veterans Day. Yeah. That's right. More Memorial Day, I think, is in the summer. I think maybe. Yeah, because the the uh, MLB always does Memorial Day uh, hats and jerseys and whatnot. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we're we're not gonna we're not gonna put a a moment of silence in the in the podcast here. Is that would just be awkward for us to sit here quietly to an audio podcast. Um, but I I do want to just really 
tip our caps and send out our love to those that uh, put in the work to allow us to have uh, our freedom. And for those of you listening, Sam literally just tipped his cap because he is wearing one. He's wearing a hat about 95% of the time when we're doing our podcast. That's true. It's pretty rare that, well, probably not that high, maybe 75%. Yeah. I'd say that back in back in the old days uh, when we used to do this in person, uh, I was wearing a hat basically 24 seven, not yes. even just for your podcasting, because I worked at Jersey City where I wore a hat as part of my uniform. Yes. And I didn't want to walk around with hat hair. Yep. Now I have to be somewhat professional and like do my hair sometimes. <laughs> Hence the reason why I buzz my hair. Exactly. Yeah. No yes. problems. Um, so, yeah, again, a thank you to the members of the armed forces in our country and others for all the hard work that you do to allow a couple of nerds like us to do this silly little thing. So moving forward, this episode is about Fury, released October 17th, 2014, written and directed by David Ayer, starring Brad Pitt, Shia LaBeouf, Logan Lerman, John Bernthal, and Michael Pena. Has a meta score of 64, a budget of 68 million. It grossed 85 in the U.S. and 211 worldwide. The plot: A grizzled tank commander makes tough decisions as he and his crew fight their way across Germany in April 1945. Sam, as always, my question I always ask you when we watch one of these movies is: Have you seen this before? Yeah, I uh, I have seen this movie once before. It was recommended to me. Uh, I can't remember by whom. There's a there's a non-zero chance it was you who recommended it to it's me, but I have h- seen it before. 100% wasn't me. Oh, okay. Well, then never mind. Um, yeah, I had seen this once before, and my impressions of it last time uh, were that it was a pretty good movie, and uh, it, it had some issues, uh, especially with pacing, oh, yeah. and I think a lot of those concerns were affirmed this time around it is by no means a bad movie no it's a very entertaining movie yes and a very competently made movie but uh i don't think it's in uh the conversation of like great war movies or anything like that not even close it's just like a good fun time uh with not a lot to say it has some explosions it has uh a dude's face literally blown off uh it has uh a, a couple of fun shooting battles and a couple of good lines. It's a it's a fun adrenaline filled ride. Um, that's actually surprisingly well shot and directed and edited. Um, yeah, and uh, as a as a pretty fun, uh, interesting cast, which we will talk about, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, I saw this in the theater. I can't remember why. Uh, <laughs> I remember leaving, being entertained but not wowed in any shape or form, which is kind of sad because this is the, for me, this is the first like tank movie I've ever watched. And it, it's, I just thought it was ripe for, to give us something new and fresh in the war genre. And it definitely didn't. It, It, the cast is great. It's just that they didn't quite do what I was hoping for, uh, which we can get into when we get into mm-hmm. spoilers. Uh, I was, I was entertained, like you said. I pretty much just want to echo everything you say. I, did I enjoy myself watching this movie? Yes. Would I recommend it for people? No. 
I'd be I could I'd be happy to offer them much better war films to watch. Yeah. Um, well, but, I mean, I, I just want to offer a point of clarification on that. If I, a person who, let's say, had never seen Fury before, said, "Hey, is Fury worth a watch?" Your answer would be yes, right? <laughs> I mean, as a as a card carrying film nerd like yourself, I would imagine your answer would probably be something like. Well, yeah, but go see Saving Private Ryan first. Go see, you know, uh, Thin Red Line first. Go see, like, literally anything else uh, of a war movie first. Yeah, it would be. Is that your main concern? Is that there's just better movies to watch than this one? Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I, I don't I don't hate this movie. I was entertained and I liked it, but I would, this would never, I would never recommend, I would never recommend this movie. Like, really? I wouldn't like if somebody's like, huh. "Hey, what should I watch?" Fury would never be on that list. Yep, I I would say again what what I'm just trying the point I'm trying to get across to you is, I would I would recommend this movie to someone if their question was, "Should I watch Fury tonight?" I would probably not recommend this movie if their question was, "What war movie should I watch tonight?" <sighs> if that makes any sense. I get what you're saying. Yeah. If somebody, <laughs> if somebody's like. <laughs> Hey, should I watch Fury tonight? I'd be like, "Well, you can." <laughs> but I could I could definitely recommend something better for you if you'd like. Yes. And if they're like, "Well, I I'm kind of in a Brad Pitt mood." I'd be like, "Glorious Bastards." I'd be like, "I've got a better World War II film with Brad Pitt in it." Yep. And they'd be like, "Well, I I kind of want to see some some heavy-duty tank action." I'd be like, "Then this is the movie for you." Sure. So yeah, I I like I said I'm it sounds like I don't like this movie. I do. I was entertained, but I'm mm-hmm. not it's not a recommendation. It, uh, like there's just there's there's more there's more enjoyable movies. There's better war films. So that's like I I would never uh, again, this would never make a recommendation list for me. Unless somebody's like, "Hey, what's the best tank film you see?" I'd be like, "Fury." It's also the worst tank film I've seen because <laughs> it's the only one I've seen. On the note of uh, Brad Pitt and Inglorious Bastards, uh, he does evoke a little bit of Lieutenant Aldo Rain in this movie, doesn't he? A little bit? <laughs> I honestly feel like he just went from one set to the other. Yeah, but dropped the Tennessee accent, right? At times. At times, yeah. He still has a little bit of a southern drawl. It there. comes back every <laughs> once in a while. That's one of my notes. Where is it right here? Uh, there are moments I hear Aldo Rain right there in my notes. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's like a less charming, slightly less empathetic Lieutenant Aldo Rain in this movie. I wouldn't, uh, uh, you can, you can drop the slightly. (laughs) (laughs) He is less empathetic than Aldo Rain. You know what actually a great analogy is for this? Um, when I went to go see, uh, the James Bond movie Spectre for the first time in theaters, uh, I was really excited because I knew that Christoph Waltz was going to be the villain. Oh. <laughs> and I just thought, as I was watching that movie, this is like I'm watching Inglorious Bastards, and it's like I'm watching Christoph Waltz as Colonel Hans Landa, just with none of the interesting stuff. <laughs> just with, like, it's like they gave Colonel Hans Landa a lobotomy. This, this isn't as bad as that. Uh, his character in this movie, War Daddy, which, by the way, fantastic name. I, um, I I will disagree with that. You'll disagree with that. You don't you don't love the nickname War Daddy. Sure hey? don't. 
<laughs> what what is it? Does the does the term daddy just give you willies after how it's been sexualized by millennials? Uh no. But <laughs> flip side, I do hate that. It's cre- <laughs> it's creepy as fuck. Okay, valid concern. Won't lie. Not that it's occurred not that it's happened to me. I didn't say occurred. It's never happened to me. This is way too TMI. Never been called daddy in any sexual way. I think it's good we get that out there. Yes. Never been called daddy in any sexual way. But prior to having a daughter, I probably wouldn't have had a problem with it. Now, that's issues. <laughs> I would <laughs> I would go 12 to 6 so fast if somebody called me daddy. Manny's Tinder profile simply just reads, don't call me daddy. Yeah, it certainly does. I'm adding that If it rate. doesn't, it should. I, I'm adding it as we speak. Okay, that's good. Um, uh, he is actually grabbing at his phone right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's back to the original premise. Yeah, <laughs> off, of, uh, off of calling people daddy. Yes. I, like I said, it was, it's, it's an entertaining movie. Uh I, uh, I, um, I don't know if I can change my stance on whether or not I'd recommend it. <laughs> I, I see what you're getting at. Like, there's just, like, why would you choose this movie as a recommendation before all the zillion other good war movies that are out there? I, I think it's worth a watch. If somebody if somebody said, hey, I want to watch a movie tonight, but it, but it has to be this, this, and this, is Fury a good go? I, I would be like, sure, whatever. And I would watch it with them. It's a, it's a fun time. And I would definitely watch it again. Um, actually, on this note, um, I'm just going to say this while we're in non-spoiler section, I yeah. guess. Uh, the worst part of this movie, what truly uh, holds it back the most oh. from being a great movie, I think, is the middle. There's like 20 minutes in the middle of this movie where they have dinner with a family. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, we're going to get into that. Yeah, we'll get into that in non-spoiler. But it, I, I genuinely think this movie jumps up a significant amount in quality if you take out like 20 minutes from the middle and those 20 minutes are it. I won't disagree with you. Yeah. I, I don't think it's necessarily in great movie territory if you do that. No. But it's improved significantly. It wouldn't change my score. Ooh. It would it would change my score. Really? Maybe. Mm, okay, now now I'm, now I've got to backpedal on that. It, it, there is a chance it would change my score. <laughs> if you weren't on the Manny scale, it would change your score? Yeah, if I could do some half points, maybe maybe we'd get a little bit of wiggle room in there. But <laughs> <laughs> all right. With that being said, why don't we dive into spoilers? Let's. So uh, spoilers for Fury coming ahead. If you haven't seen this movie, uh, Sam recommends that you do. I'm hesitant to say so, but for the sake of this podcast, why don't you go watch it? So yeah, spoil- I, I don't think it's I don't think it's good business to make a podcast about a movie and then say, hey, don't. Don't watch this. It's not very good. <laughs> we did that a few weeks ago with Pacific Rim. Okay. Uh, you did that with Pacific Rim. <laughs> I recommended it. <laughs> Spoilers for uh, Fury in three, two, one. Go fuck yourself. I, You know what? It's on the top of our mind. We don't ever go chronologically anymore. So let's let's talk about that uh, that dinner scene, lunch scene in the middle of the movie that, in yep. my opinion, completely fucking derails this movie. Yeah, what the fuck uh, were they thinking when they wrote that scene? Uh, so they uh, they take over this German town. They go into this family's house forcefully. Uh, they force a mother to reveal the position of her daughter. Nope, it gets, I thought it was cousin. 
Oh, sorry, cousin. Excuse me. Um, oh my God, if that was mother and daughter, that'd be even worse. Yeah, that would be much worse. Um, <laughs> sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, and then it, all the characters are suddenly like we've some we've seen the characters do some fucked up shit, do and say some fucked up shit up to yeah. this point, but all of a sudden everyone's a rapist. Yeah. And it's it's really weird. John Bernthal, who up until this point in the movie is sort of like a charming southern lovable asshole, like he's a dickhead, a complete and maybe dickhead. a little bit of a of like a, a sociopath even, but I would not qualify him as a rapist. And then all of a sudden he just comes in and is uh one of the most despicable human beings that I've seen in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and there was nothing nothing leading up to that. That should showcase that. No, the character, the characters just are in a complete like, we're here. We are fighting for good, and they're sort of in it, like gray anti-heroes. You know, nothing's black and white, and then boom, rapists. It's so weird. Yeah, big time. But it was. It's such a bad scene, and it goes for so long. It's, it's for so long. It it's like, completely. It's like twenty minutes. It completely derails this movie. Not to mention, nothing really happens in this scene. Like, the the conflict is very slow burning. Like, especially when uh, Brad Pitt and Logan Lerman first show up uh, to this uh, to this apartment or house or whatever it is. I, mean, I guess it's an apartment. Um, when they first show up here, they just kind of show up, get the family to make them lunch, and just sort of chill. And then Brad Pitt has this really weird line where he says. Uh, she's a good, clean girl. If you don't go into that room, I will. Like, what the fuck is that? We're supposed to be cheering on War Daddy. He's supposed to be, he's supposed to be like an anti-hero. What the fuck is that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. The whole scene like, is bad. Yeah, it's a bad, it is a bad scene in a, in a decent movie. Yeah, and it's, it's the same, like, uh, Shia LaBeouf's character, Bible, who's yeah. all about kind of living the right, way he comes in and he's like all in favor of this kind of rapey culture going on yeah it's so weird and he's also they're like super pissed for no reason yes brad pitt that they like weren't invited up or whatever like they're like at a fucking grade six birthday party or something yeah it, it it's so weird and, and it's not like uh fucking gordo and fucking john bernthal's character whose name escapes me uh i i have it it's actually more graphic than i realized kunas yeah kunas uh, let's so just call john him grady bernthal. let's just call him grady because they do call him grady i actually <laughs> i didn't i didn't i don't i don't remember them not saying they didn't i don't remember them referring to him as kunas yeah i think the names are actually very much not important in this movie oh 100 percent this is one of those movies where I talk about it. I'm mostly going to be referring to them as their actors' names. That's fair. Um, <laughs> shit, where was I going? Uh, you were talking about John Bernthal. Yeah. Uh, Grady and Gordo uh, take that, I ass- what they, ass- what, not they assume, the film makes you assume, is mm-hmm. a prostitute into yeah. the tank. And they pretty much refer to her that way when they come into this room. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't, like... What are they upset about? Yeah, exactly. Like, they didn't invite War Daddy and them to 
partake in the prostitution fund they were having. I don't. This scene is fucking horrible. Not to mention, uh, by the way, even before they show up, Norman and this girl uh, share one song on the piano together, and all of a sudden she's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna fuck him." Yep. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm like, I'm definitely gonna fuck him for sure. Yeah, we sang we sang one song together, and we don't speak the same language. And he's invading my village or city or whatever it is, and his country's invading mine. And they barge into my apartment all of a sudden. But yeah, definitely gonna fuck him after we sang one song together. Yeah, and her turn from being scared to being turned on, <laughs> it like she plays being scared very well at the beginning yeah. of the scene when she's hiding, she, and she's sitting there. And then all of a sudden, Brad Pitt pulls out some eggs, and they all of a sudden are no longer scared of him. Yeah, it's such a fucking bad scene. <laughs> I'm so I'm I'm very glad that you thought the same. Not that I ever hope for you to not enjoy anything in the movies that we watch, with the exception of Pacific Rim, of course. <laughs> but, but this, I'm so glad you're on the same page as me because I feel like when I'm watching this scene, I'm taking crazy pills and I'm just in a different universe all of a sudden where there's just this one really, really, really bad scene in the middle of an otherwise okay movie. I, I it's so bad. Yeah. I can I totally understand why you feel like this. if they completely remove this scene, I yeah. could see why you would definitely give it a, a, a score increase. The funny thing is, is this scene isn't the reason my score isn't high. There, there are other problems with this movie for sure. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I think this is the main problem, though. I think this is the worst part of this movie, and it's not close. <laughs> I have one other problem. Okay, all right. I have one other problem that actually leaves me seething mad. Sure. Do you want to go there? Let's do it. All right. It's when the fucking SS soldier lets Norman live. (laughs) That makes zero sense. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. It's really bad. It's egregiously bad. I remember being in the theater and I'm like, okay, he's under the tank. That's fine. Oh, he's going to put a little dirt on himself. He's going to pretend to be dead. Fine. I've seen this in other war films. This is no problem. And then that fucking little SS soldier bends over with his flashlight, shines it right in his eyes. And Norman's like, no, oh, 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 no. Doesn't even go, doesn't even say anything like I'll suck your dick. Nothing. (laughs) Would that have been your go-to? Fuck. Yeah. I think there's there's too many soldiers around for that, though. Somebody wouldn't notice. True enough. Well, Unless fucking... you're planning on blowing that entire battalion. Fuck. To live, I'd do it. Yeah, twice. I'd, no problem. You're fucking right. Run <laughs> a train on me. Just let me live. Hey, man, you're getting no disagreement here. Yeah. I. It's It's so egregious to me that that SS... It's And he's an SS soldier. Mm-hmm. This regiment known for their brutality. It, it's, it's the SS's tactics that has war daddy so angry that they set up hugely at the beginning of the movie and you know what it's not even like i see where you're coming from with that but for me it's not even the fact that it's the ss i think what makes this moment even worse is the fact that they just murdered half of this battalion yes they just brutally murdered half this battalion uh, and this guy who just watched probably a ton of his friends just die. Yep. Friends and colleagues. Yep. Uh, he looks under, sees one shivering little guy, and thinks, aw, he's just a kid. I'm, I'm gonna let him live. Even though he just screamed fucking Nazis, uh, and shot us with a machine gun out of a tank. No, I think 
I think the fact that he's so young and potentially innocent and has the whole life ahead of him, I'm going to let him live. If one soldier in one army was found out to have done something like this, they'd be fucking hung. Yes. It was... Uh, it, it, uh, it annoyed me when I saw it in the theaters. And it anno- I'd actually... As I'm watching this movie, I'm like, oh, yeah, that fucking soldier lets him live. And then the final battle scene goes on. And then when he escapes through the bottom of the tank, I'm like, oh, right. Now I get to watch this again. Also, this is just something that's occurring to me now that I don't have my notes. Only one soldier thinks to look under the tank. There's a lot of soldiers there. That is true. You would think one other soldier would have come along and just not even asked if somebody else did it and just checked anyway. Yep. I would. Yeah. You're a soldier. Yeah. It's your job to look out for dangerous, you know, places for people to hide and shit. Fucking rights. Yeah. Anyways, those are my yeah. two those are my two biggest problems. Man, we really shit on this movie out of the gate, haven't we? Uh hence why I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> those honestly, those two moments are not enough for me to not recommend this movie to people or to <laughs> not enjoy this movie because I think they're still a lot of fun moments uh especially i I like most of the dialogue even though some of it is unrealistic or cheesy i think it's there's a lot of fun and it's uh it's beautifully shot in general and uh like it on it's weird because this movie looks like an oscar caliber movie like it looks if you if you watched it without audio you might just think that this is like an oscar caliber movie but it's just not no, it's not even close. <laughs> not even close to an Oscar caliber movie. Um, I guess we we, hmm, I I don't know if there's any other specific moments I really want to talk about. Um, but you have to admit I don't have the cinematographer's name right in front of me. Right, I, ju- I was just looking at it. Uh, uh, Roman Vasyanov. Yeah, Roman Vasyanov. I don't know him from anything, uh, at least by name. Uh, but there's a couple awesome moments. Uh, like the opening shot of uh. It's of a man on a hill riding a horse, and it's beautiful. And it's like oh. a, a it's like a single take of him coming down the hill and then getting tackled off the horse by Brad Pitt. Oh, it's the, the opening scene. Yeah, exactly. It's the opening moment, which is like gorgeous. And there, are, there's um, even like there's the tank battle towards the back half of this movie, which is super super cool. Um, really frantic editing and uh, and high pacing. Like some of the battle scenes in this movie are just fucking awesome, and they look I wouldn't really go really that cool. Far. What was that? I wouldn't go that far as awesome. No, you didn't. You didn't like him that much. I uh, there's only one. Is it is it the tank battle? Yeah, yeah. The tank battle is really cool. The tank battle is really cool. But other mm-hmm. than that, like the other one, the the fight in the field, it's fine. I don't think it's anything spectacular. They get I, missed by anti or anti tank ballistics or whatever you want to call. It. They get missed like five times in a row. Yeah, and it's kind of funny. Yeah, it's, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, God, I really feel like I'm just fucking shitting all over this movie when I was actually entertained. I think it's because I don't want I don't want to heap praise onto this movie because I don't feel it deserves a ton of praise. It was fine. It was entertaining. I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. There's there's a couple of a couple of fun moments. I'm frantically trying to uh go through my notes for for any such thing i like uh logan lerman's introduction to the squad i think that's a that's a fun moment um where he's really really getting picked on 
Uh, what's his first assignment as a member of this crew? Uh, he gets to clean up the old guy's face from the fucking dash. That was uh, that was pretty brutal, and I I, I, I like that moment personally. You're a sick, sick man. Yeah, I thought it was, I don't know, I, I thought it was, like, I, I didn't think it was, like, funny or anything. I just thought it was, like, I don't know, brutal. Like, that's what, that's what a lot of this movie is. It's fucking brutal. Yeah, right? yeah. It just didn't, I, I guess, I don't know. It. The movie's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brad Pitt, uh, this is something I wanted to talk about. He speaks a lot of German in this movie. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I... He has a he has a pretty good line towards the beginning uh, when they see the uh, the German soldier, um, the SS soldier. Him, Sorry, the SS soldier when he's when he's being when he's being dragged to the camp. Yeah, he says, "I'll question him right now." Was ist deine Lieblingsfarbe? Bist du ein guter Tänzer? Stehst du auf dicke Weiber? Which is, uh, what's your favorite color? Are you a good dancer? And do you like fat chicks? Which is great. <laughs> <laughs> and then he punches him in the face. Um, shit. Let's see. Uh, I had I thought I had a note on that. Uh, nope, I don't. The um <sighs> It's I don't know, maybe maybe it's because we're watching this so soon after saving Private Ryan and the thin <laughs> the thin red line that I'm just so kind of down on this movie but yeah the the field fight is fine it's the end of the field fight where war daddy is trying to get norman to execute a soldier yeah it's tense and fairly well done but at the same time i'm like i don't understand how this is I don't understand the purpose of this because the scene's just making me not empathize with War Daddy like I, yeah. I, I understand that he's trying to teach Norman that war is hell he's he's gonna know he's gonna find out but making him shoot a, a prisoner in the back I don't I don't get it. And yeah. I'm like, well, why would I care what happens to War Daddy now? Yeah, War Daddy's character is sort of interesting because it's really set up strongly early in the movie that he hates Germans more than anything. It's arguably his only character trait is that he fucking hates Germans. And they don't really do anything with that. Like, this is not a movie where everyone has, like, a nice, neat little character arc concluded at the end where everyone learns a lesson. It Brad Pitt hates Germans at the at the beginning of the movie, and he goes out killing Germans. That's, that's his character. Logan Lerman goes from being a peaceful guy at the beginning of the movie to killing Germans at the end of the movie. That's the that's the character arc of just about everyone. Everyone else is completely flat. They kill people at the beginning, they kill people at the end. Nobody learns a lesson. Nobody has any ruminations on the nature of war. Nobody uh, has any reflections on the nature of humanity. This is not Saving Private Ryan. People just like killing Germans. And the movie's about Logan Lerman wanting to kill Germans. That's a tough sentence right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Yeah. I think I think that's what it is, is that 
we just watched two amazingly brilliant films on war yeah. and what war can do to men and how men can bond over war and all this kind of stuff. And then we watch this. It's like, oh, man. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's, it's just not, it's just not up to snuff for me. And again, like it was fun to watch the field scene that we're talking about now was just fine. The tank battle is spectacular and scary and tense and thrilling. And that's about it. Because the end battle scene originally pissed me off. Mm-hmm. I was just like, this is just fucking horseshit. <laughs> but upon doing research for this film, it's actually based on real life. Really? Yeah. Like, it's not... I shouldn't say based on real life. Uh, inspired. It was inspired by something that really happened. Um, I got it right here. Uh, the last stand of the crew of the Disabled Fury appears to be based on an anecdote from Death Traps, wherein a lone tanker was in his tank on a road junction when a German infantry unit approached, apparently not spotting the tank in the darkness. This unnamed tanker is described to have ricocheted shells into the enemy forces, fired all of his machine gun ammunition, and thrown grenades to kill German soldiers climbing onto the tank. When our infantry arrived the next day, they found the brave young tanker still alive in his tank. The entire surrounding area was littered with German dead and wounded. Uh, and then there was another one. Uh, the battle bars some resemblance to that of Medal of Honor recipient Audie Murphy aboard a burning M10 tank destroyer outside of oh, some town I can't pronounce. Uh, the fighting in the film also bears similarity to the film Sahara starring Humphrey Bogart in which the crew of the M3 Lee named Lulu Bell and the contingent of strandish British soldiers defend a remote well in Libya against a larger German force of the Africa Corp uh, to demise of most of the Allies. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, you know, had a little basis in reality. And so after reading that, I was like, okay, well, I guess I kind of got to let it go, but I fucking hated, and maybe it's because like the film didn't, hmm, the film just didn't make me care about the characters as much as I wanted to, Mm -hmm. despite this incredible cast they have. But that end scene where War Daddy's on top of the tank out in the open, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> unloading the fucking 50 cal and not getting shot himself until a sniper gets him and the sniper can't even get off a kill shot he gets hit three times by a sniper and doesn't die i refuse to believe that he would not be human confetti getting hit by a 50 cal three times right no he no he the, no the sniper didn't have a 50 cal a 50 oh, cal a 50 cal is what was on the top of the tank right excuse me yeah but yes uh, like yeah it was just it it just that that moment kind of felt a little too and i hate to use that term um, like american rah-rah yeah i know exactly what you mean though right and i don't it it's it's kind of nice because it it generally in good war films it doesn't tend to happen they tend to they tend to try and keep a little bit more real a little bit more uh gray area yeah but this with him He's literally out in the open, no cover whatsoever, 
and as they've stated, hundreds of soldiers around them, and none of them can get a can can even get a an arm or a leg shot off on this guy. It takes a sniper to get a guy who's out in the open. It just it's a minor. Oh, I guess this is why I just didn't enjoy this movie. I just I continue to pick it apart. I barely said anything good, and yet watching the movie, I was entertained. Ah. So that bug that bugged me. Yeah, there's a lot of suspension of disbelief in a lot of these moments because I have the same note. I, I I said I refused to believe they wouldn't get lit the fuck up the second they stepped outside the tank. Uh, yeah, I have I have basically the same notes, and there was a there was a few other ones that I I don't have right here. But there's there's a lot of suspension of disbelief. Um, even like in the scene we were talking about earlier, where Brad Pitt is forcing uh, Logan Lerman to assassinate a prisoner. Um, like I I don't believe that Logan Lerman wouldn't be able to outmuscle his way away, at least from like redirecting the gun or something. Like I refuse to believe that Logan Lerman does not possess the power to not shoot this person. It's really difficult to force someone to shoot a gun accurately. Right. Yes. Even at close range, like they were. Yeah. So there's a, there's a few moments that are just like, I, I think you're just supposed to take the moment for what it is and take the essence of it rather than pick it apart. But of course, you know, this is what we do. We're nitpickers, we're, we're film snobs. So, you know, it, you, you can't really help it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. There's the more we talk about this movie, the more there is to dislike about it. But I, it's kind of beyond explanation, honestly. There's a lot. Like, I, I, I was thoroughly entertained the whole way, minus the middle portion of yeah, right. I'm w- like I'm with you, and I'm I fuck I just I feel like shit because I'm just shitting all over this movie. I think it's because I just wanted it to be better. I I like David Ayer. His resume is a mix of great and horrible. Um, like he wrote. See, like okay. Here's the, here's the films he's written. U five seven one, fun, entertaining submarine movie. Have you seen it? No. Okay, it's actually one of the ones I considered for our Remembrance Day. Okay, it's fine. He wrote the Fast and the Furious, the first one, which I saw and was entertained by. He wrote Training Day. Not too bad of a movie, and very entertaining. Wins Denzel and Oscar. I don't want to get into that. <laughs> Dark Make blue, dark blue. I haven't seen. SWAT, SWAT is a guilty pleasure movie. I fucking love that movie. Is it good? Fuck no. Is it fun? Hell yes. Harsh times. Haven't seen. End of watch. Have you seen End of Watch? No, but I've heard uh, good things. It is spectacular. Yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal, Michael Pena. It is phenomenal. That is on it's on our list to movies to review okay then he's uh, sabotaged no idea fury then he wrote suicide squad but to be fair that i think is the fault of the film production studio that movie was notoriously just a fucking mess from the writing process to the direction to everything well he also directed their hand in it from from all accounts yeah he also directed it yeah it was it was nothing but problems and then he he also wrote and directed Bright. Which has not gotten good reviews, but I know you really liked, right? Oh, sorry. I, I take it back. He did not write it. He directed it. Um, right. It wasn't as bad 
as I heard it was. So when I watched it, I went in going, okay, this is going to be a fucking, just an absolute fucking shit show. And it wasn't that bad at all. Um, I was I was thoroughly entertained. So David Ayer basically kind of makes entertaining movies for me. I There's none that I hate that I've seen of the ones he's written. God, do I hate The Suicide Squad? I never saw it. I never bothered. When it started getting as terrible reviews as it got, I didn't bother. You haven't seen... Oh, that might be one we have to watch then. Suicide Squad? Really? <laughs> oh, God. Do you know how much fun it would be to rip into that for a fucking couple hours? Probably really fun. Wouldn't be a ton of fun to watch. Oh, God. <laughs> I've got way other movie, way more movies that I, I want us to watch before that, but I'm going to keep that we- one in... I'm going to keep that one in mind. We got to get some more like serious guilty pleasures in here to fucking tear to shreds because those are the those are the funnest ones to do. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah. So David Ayer, he's fine with me for for a writer and director, and I don't feel he's. I'm not gonna rip him for his direction on this. Um, his writing needs a little bit more work for this film. Um. Again, because you and I are obviously confused as to what that fucking middle scene has to do um, with in in this film, he creates these characters who, on the surface, appear to be fun. You know, like War Daddy is a character that could be fun. Bible is a nice kind of um, oh god, I can't even think of the word. He's a good person to have in this crew, right? You got to have the Bible thumper that's in there. And Shia LaBeouf just kind of, again, gives us glimpses of the talent that this man has, despite his personal problems. Shia uh, LaBeouf, I just feel like, could be such a good actor. Like He yes. could, like, anytime he stars in a movie, he could give a world-class performance, or he could just be super weird and ruin the whole thing. It, it, there's, like, no in-between with him. I, I liked him a lot in this movie. He had... Even that middle scene that we've talked about so much is so weird. Even though it makes no sense for him to be pissed off at War Daddy, he acts pissed off really well, even though his motivation makes no sense. I don't but know. that's a writing problem, not an acting problem. I don't know if you heard about Shia LaBeouf in this movie. No, not really. Oh, you want to hear some shit? Oh, I want to hear some shit, all right. All right, here what we got. Uh, Shia LaBeouf reportedly pulled out his own tooth <clears throat> and did not shower during filming of this movie. That sounds about right. Yep. Uh, The cut on his face, which I never noticed, uh, was real. Uh, He inflicted it upon himself each time it was necessary to add another layer of realism to his performance. (laughs) What the fuck, man? Uh, He didn't get along with the cast and crew to the point that he was set up in a nearby bed and breakfast away from everyone else for the duration of filming. Sounds about right. Uh, during filming, Brad Pitt and Shia LaBeouf almost got in a real fight with Scott Eastwood while the cameras were rolling. Eastwood, riding on the back of Fury, kept spitting tobacco juice on the tank. Pitt and LaBeouf felt this was disrespectful and exchanged words with Eastwood. Things got heated until Pitt and LaBeouf found out that the script called for Eastwood's character to spit his tobacco juice on the tank. Oh, boy. Yeah. I, you know what? I, uh, I was young enough. I, I was, I was the t- young enough to be the target demo 
for uh, Shia LaBeouf's show Even Stevens, which I guess was his uh, sort of launching pad. I never really watched it. I, okay. I always thought it was kind of weird. But I did watch the movie Holes. Did you ever see Holes? No. That is, I read that book a couple of times as a kid, actually. Yeah. Um, it's a really good uh, kids' novel about a um, a uh, juvenile correction center out in the middle of nowhere, uh, and he he's the main character in that. That's one that I've thought about revisiting because I haven't wa- I've watched it several times as a kid, but haven't seen it in a while, and I remember loving it, and it's probably not as good as I remember. Interesting. <laughs> but I've I've kind of always had a soft spot for Shia LaBeouf just from even Steven and or even Stevens, excuse me, and holes alone. Um, and then, you know, I was like 10 when the first transformers came out. So, you know, I, I watched that. Um, but yeah, I want good things for him, but it's a shame that he's such a fucking nut job. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, I, I do remember him, um, in iRobot. He had a very small role, but I, I remember seeing him there. He was in this movie called the greatest game ever played. Uh, which is about golf. Uh, mm-hmm. I really liked him in that. That's kind of where my first uh, experience with Shia LaBeouf came in. Um, and then it wasn't again till uh, Transformers where I was like, okay, I didn't like that movie. I, I didn't like Transformers. I never liked the toys anyway, so mm-hmm. that movie wasn't geared towards me. And then there's so many things wrong with that movie. Um, it just kind of fell in it. But I felt that he was fine. And then he gets Indiana Jones in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and I wanted to kill him, um, but not just because of him. He's in another movie called Eagle Eye, which wasn't too bad. But after- I saw that on my birthday the year that came out. Eagle I Eye? Yeah, I remember I, I took all my friends to the theater to go see Eagle Eye, because again, that was a year after Transformers, which I was a fan of at the time. And uh, yeah, I, I remember thinking, that was weird. <laughs> Yeah, but, but then, I haven't I haven't watched it in eleven years now, so who knows? Yeah, then he did a movie. He wasn't the he wasn't the lead, but he was up there uh, called Lawless, um, with Tom Hardy and Jason Clark. Right, and it was really good. Hmm. And I was like, okay, he's not doing too bad. But then he goes crazy, and. Uh, I I've heard the movie Borg versus McEnroe is actually pretty good, and then this year there's this little independent film called The Peanut Butter Falcon, that is getting rave reviews and uh, apparently is as a pretty big hit for an indie film. So you know it probably costs like two three million to make and it's probably made about twenty. Let's see if you're right. I'm gonna open that up. Okay. Um. Let's see. Uh, budget is six point two million. And are you ready for this box office? Yeah. Twenty point four. Look at you. Hmm, not bad, hey. Made about twenty. Man, you you have been around the block a few times. You know how these things go. Almost like I know what I'm talking about. Almost. Almost. <laughs> My budget was off a little. The budget was obviously twice as big as uh, what I originally said. But I'm I'm I'll I'll stand by my statement. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I'm kind of always pulling for Shia LaBeouf, and I can't pinpoint why, but I am. I'm kind of hoping he makes a rebound, but I guess we'll have to see how it goes. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just kind of kind of look at. I don't really think I have. Well, you know what? Why don't we talk about uh, something that we did like? And okay. for me, uh, that's the tank fight. 
um, the three tanks against the tiger. Yeah. Um, I remember in the theater being blown away, no pun intended, <laughs> by this scene. It's really well done. It really ratchets up the tension and fear and shows off what these tanks are capable of doing to one another. And it's it's a it's the highlight of the film for me. Yeah, the tank battles are actually really good. Unfortunately, something that I noticed that I that kind of took me out of it briefly. I talked about how I liked the way this movie looked, and I stand by that. But a lot of the gunshots look like lasers. Did you notice this? Uh, are you talking about the red and the green? Yeah, they like have really long like trails behind them. Don't you? Did you miss that line on what they are? What are they? They're tracers. I I must have missed that line. Yeah, that's what he he. Um, I'm pretty sure it's Bible or it's Gordo that tells mm. Logan that he's like every fifth shot is a tracer, so you can see where you're shooting. Uh, okay, that's why. Like so, like the the tank machine guns and stuff like that. You can't really – it's harder for them to see because they're looking at those things. So every fifth bullet, every fifth one is a tracer. That's what that laser-like okay, that, thing is. Okay. I'm, nothing gets past you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely missed that line because I'm sitting there so confused. I didn't even notice it the first time I watched it, honestly. But some of the gunshots, I was like, why does it look like I'm watching fucking Star Wars right now? Yeah. Yeah, they're tra it's tracer fire so you can see yeah. where you're shooting. Okay, that makes some sense. Yeah. Otherwise, I, I – I, you not knowing that, I could totally understand why I'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that aside then, uh, the, the tank battles are a ton of fun. I, like I said earlier, the editing of them, uh, cutting between all the different members of the of the tank and then seeing the shot of the tiger and then back, is it's really, really tensely edited. And the, the action scenes in general I liked, but that one in particular, uh, yeah, the it, tank battle. The it's end is so, so good. good and so well done. I, like, I won't lie. Like, in the movie theater, I know for a fact that obviously Fury is going to survive, but I actually thought it might not. And yeah. that and that's the sign of a of a good action scene and some good editing and some good performances and good direction where your main characters are put in danger and you actually feel the danger for them. Uh you got any thoughts on Logan Lerman? Uh nope. Uh <laughs> He's a poor man's Jeremy Davies from Saving Private Ryan. Ooh, nice. <laughs> I guess, yeah, that's a that's that's a fair point. I mean, I, I where do I know him from? I'm just trying to go through his filmography. Speaking of uh, kids' movies that I know these former child actors from, I know him from the movie Hoot. Are you even aware of that movie? No, but it, it rings. <laughs> it was a based on a book bell. I read as a really young kid. It came out in like 2006, so I was like nine when this came out. Um, and I remember liking that, but I doubt it holds up. And then I also know him from Percy Jackson, which I also read as a kid and hated the movie. Um, and then he was in Perks of Being a Wallflower. Uh, and then, yeah, I basically know him in nothing up until Fury. I like Percy Being a Wallflower, though. Have you seen that one? No, I haven't. That's actually that's a pretty good one. Um, he's in a, a, a Western called 310 to Yuma. Oh, which, yeah, is which a, I have not seen, but I've heard good things. It is great. But I, I honestly don't remember him in it. I know exactly which character he is. Yeah. But come on, he's sharing he's sharing screen with Russell Crowe, Christian Bale, and Ben Foster. So sorry, you're you, you got to fucking up your game if you're gonna stand out over those guys. Yeah. 
Like like I said, I, I do like him in most of the parts in this movie. There's nothing that stood out as actually bad. Um, again, the, the main problem is more of the writing. Like Again, that middle section is pretty, pretty weird. Um, him sort of surrendering himself under the tank at the end of the movie is sort of weird. But I think those are those are writing issues. Uh, it's not really an, anything with his performance necessarily. I'll agree. Yeah. I just don't. Uh, he he didn't. <sighs> I didn't find him intriguing enough or empathetic enough for me to latch onto him the same way I did with Jeremy Davies and Saving Private Ryan. So. Yeah. I, I, actually, you know what? Here's something I wanted to talk about because. It, this is more of a general sort of thematic note, but you talked about how you just you wanted such good things for this movie and you wanted it to be better, right? Um, I, I feel like all of those pieces are in place. Like this, this movie is kind of frustrating to watch because it does have all these pieces in place. Like I talked about how like there's all these character arcs that are sort of set up about like hating Germans and having this black and white idea of what war is. And they'd kind of rob the characters of the opportunity to make the realization about how war corrupts people and makes them do terrible things. It's sort of a black and white, rah, rah, let's just go kill some Germans at the end. There's not a lot of nuance there. There's also a lot of parts like um, their camaraderie, like the uh, like, uh, Brad Pitt saying, it's my home at the end when he refuses to ditch Fury. I didn't feel like that was earned. Maybe that's just me. I just 100%. didn't feel like... I didn't feel like I got that passion from Brad Pitt. His passion is for killing Germans. There's no connection to the tank. There's like he we don't even really I think it's John Bernthal's character who's repairing the tank at the beginning, right? Correct. So we don't even get him like repairing the tank or stressing over it or like like you know, it's set up right from the very beginning of the movie that the American tanks are inferior to the German ones. So I would have liked a scene of like somebody calling Fury a piece of shit and, hit, and him, like, lashing out and defending it. You know, give me anything that shows his connection to the tank. So I, that when, at that moment, when they all want to ditch it, and he goes, no, it's my home, that plays better. We get that. We understand his connection to the tank. But that's just one of the many pieces of this movie that were, like, it was put in there, and they could have used it, and it could have been so effective, and it, it just wasn't. And it's, like, frustrating to watch because they're, like, so close to having a great moment, and they just barely miss it. Oh, I, to I couldn't agree with you more. Have you seen the movie Memphis Bell? No. It's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Memphis Bell retells the real story of this um, bomber in World War II called the Memphis Bell. And I think for them to finish their tour, I think they had to do 25 bomb runs. And the movie is about Memphis Bell has done 24, and they're sent in to do their 25th. And it's like... All at the beginning of the movie, like I think they show their 24th one as well, and they come in and everything's fine. And you see all these other pilots and these new recruits coming in, and the Memphis Bell has this reputation. The people on the Memphis Bell are this amazing crew, and they're the first, they're going to be the first plane to ever actually complete all their missions, and they get to go home. And so they're revered and they're talked about, and everyone talks about the Memphis Bell. And so it just builds up what a great plane this is and what a great crew they are. And that's exactly what this film doesn't do. Yeah. I, I, I completely see what you're saying. Yeah, they, they had so many opportunities to, to set this sort of legendary status of Fury up, and they just... You know, and they... I, don't think, I don't think any of them at any time call it Fury. I think 
their uh, their commanding officer refers to them as Fury, and I hear War Daddy refer to some of the other tanks by their tank name, mm-hmm. but I can't recall any member or any crew of the Fury referring to their own tank as Fury. Yeah, which seems like an oversight when it's literally the title of the fucking movie. Yeah, and again, that would just hammer home that this is... Oops, sorry. It would hammer home that this is their home. Yeah, I think that's what this movie should have been about. Maybe drop Brad Pitt being so bloodthirsty if you don't want to chase that character arc and maybe make it about the camaraderie. There's even a line at the beginning when uh, Logan Lerman first gets to the squad where he says, like... um, my main goal this is paraphrasing my main goal is to ensure that all of my men live and you are interfering with that goal like give me some more of that give me some more of the camaraderie and brad pitt's struggle to keep these guys alive with an inferior piece of junk that he also loves that's a movie right there that's a great movie right there but they just they don't go down that road and it's kind of difficult to watch yeah and it's the it's at the beginning of the movie where um War Daddy has that little breakdown after they get back. Um, yeah. And I'm like, you didn't earn this. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm so, so sad to see that he is upset and he has some PTSD after the battle they've just been through and that he lost one of his crew members. But I didn't know that crew member. At this point, I still haven't seen that piece of his face. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just like, you didn't earn this moment. Like, sure, sh- you know, it's Brad Pitt once again doing great acting as the man does but it didn't it didn't resonate with me it didn't affect me in any way because you hadn't earned it yet you're i'm we're less than 10 minutes into the movie yeah i i think uh sort of piggybacking on what you're saying if we're going to compare it fairly or unfairly to saving private ryan uh all of tom hanks's scenes in that movie of him just breaking down and crying are so supported by the context of the movie and the brotherhood that's built up painstakingly through the whole course of the movie and the the weight and the guilt on Tom Hanks' character's shoulders in that movie. It's all built up so slowly and so effectively by the masters, Mr. Steven Spielberg, that by the time that we get these moments, it's a payoff. It's not about the moment itself necessarily. It's about the context of it. Yep. And it's just like you said, we get Brad Pitt sobbing uh, right off the beginning of the movie and we don't even like we don't even see any of the events or are none of the events are really hinted at uh, that would lead him to having such a reaction. So, yeah, it's kind of kind of a head scratcher. All the pieces are there. It's a good looking movie. It's a well acted movie. That scene by Brad Pitt is well acted. But the, I think the writing is sort of where we really where this movie really suffers. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I don't really have a whole lot else to say. Uh, did you want to move on to trivia? Yeah, okay. Sure. Um, the cast underwent a rigorous month-long course. The final test was manning a real tank during a combat exercise. Brad Pitt, who was much older than his castmates, made sure that he participated in all of the physical training alongside the other actors. That's um, why he's always looking so good in this movie. Oh, yeah. and of course he has one gratuitous uh, shirtless scene in the middle too. Yep. I I was uh, fine with that. I licked the screen. What? Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Michael Pena's character's nickname is Gordo, which means fat in Spanish. Nice. Yep. And if he's fat, then I feel bad about myself. <laughs> uh, John Bernthal claimed that David Ayer's methods to push the actors to their limits included requiring them to abuse each other verbally and physically, required the cast to agree to confidentiality agreements on certain things, 
and some of which uh, he said he's not proud of. Uh, Logan Lerman admitted that the experience left scars I'm healing from. Damn, that does not sound worth it for a movie with like a 60 meta score. Yeah. Um, here's a couple. Um, these are a couple things that kind of touch upon the um, Sergeant Collier, that's War Daddy, um, a little bit more of his backstory and a little bit more character development. So if, maybe if these were included might have meant a little bit more for you, but uh, the scene where Sergeant Collier and Norman meet for the first time originally ran longer and gave some additional insight into Collier's initial cool demeanor toward him. In the scene's unedited version, included as an extra on the Blu-ray, Collier showed an even more antagonistic response to him, especially upon hearing his name. In a later truncated scene, Collier explained that his younger brother, who died in a car accident caused by Collier himself, was also called Norman. And then, okay, that 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 adds some some important context, I think. But yeah, because he's really he's so antagonistic towards Norman out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and then this is interesting, I guess. Um, I never noticed these, but the presence of severe burn scars on the back of War Daddy remains unexplained in the finished movie. I never noticed them. They're, they're uh, in the gratuitous shirtless scene. Oh, are they? Okay. Yeah. Um, however, the scene where uh, War Daddy and Norman have a conversation while driving past a burning town originally ran much longer and contained a significant character moment. War Daddy would have explained that he got the scars during a car accident as a young man. He had gotten into a drunken fight during a festival once, and while getting away from the sheriff with his truck, he subsequently crashed it, causing the death of his younger brother and fiance who were in it. The car's engine ended up on his own back, causing severe burns. The judge who presided over his case offered him the option to enlist in the army and die for his country, or go to jail. I I, I really like that backstory. I think that's... I think that's important. And I, again, they leave. That, that's another frustrating thing. They leave a piece of the evidence in the the back scars, like you said, never explained. Yep. Yeah. Could he use a little clarification on that? Uh, and then this was a little bit more of the controversy on the film. Uh, they were filming over in uh, in England for this. Um, so in November of 2013, the film caused controversy by shooting a scene on Remembrance Day in which extras wore Warmarked and Waffen-SS uniforms. Air apologized for the incident, and Sony also made an apology. Man, David Ayer does not sound like a good dude to work for. Yeah, I've heard he's kind of a dick. Yeah, if you haven't made a, any... If you don't have a reputation as a great director, you can't pretend to be Kubrick. Yes. Or James Cameron. James Cameron, I've heard, is also quite difficult to work for. Yeah. Um, uh, that And that's all I got. That's, yeah, you, you said uh, before we went on air that there's uh, there's no casting. You usually have some, some I, notes on that. Yeah, I couldn't, find, well. I couldn't find any casting rumors for this movie whatsoever. So David Ayer <laughs> um, probably got Brad Pitt on early. I didn't check to see if Brad Pitt's production company was part of this film or not. So if he was, then it makes sense that you know, he was, he would have been like the first and only choice for War Daddy. And then people probably just fell in line afterwards. It's funny. I, I had it in my head that his production company was, but he doesn't have a production credit uh, on Wikipedia. So that's interesting. Mm, interesting. Uh, 2014. 
Yep. He's oh no, he's an executive producer for Fury. Yeah, okay. That makes more sense. Yep. Um Okay. Uh your favorite scene, Sam. Uh favorite scene is probably the tank battle that we were talking about. It's a lot of fun, it's well shot, um, it's well acted, it's tense. Uh, probably the highlight of the movie for sure. Um, with you 100%. I, I don't have anything else that really stood out. Uh, I do have one thing. There was actually a quote that I, I kind of liked, uh, and it's, ideals are peaceful, history is violent. Yeah, I have that one written down too. That's nice. a good one. Um, final thoughts, Sam? Uh, final thoughts is uh, this is an entertaining movie. You wouldn't know it from the way we've talked about it. Um, there's some funny moments uh, between the guys. I think other than the tank battle scene, which we talked about, the highlights are sort of um, the moments in between fights between uh, the soldiers, their sort of uh, camaraderie and their, their jabs at each other, um, especially at Logan Lerman's expense. Um, so th- there is some stuff in this movie to offer. It's entertaining. I would recommend watching it. Uh, again, if I could just block out those middle 20 minutes from my mind, I think this movie would be a lot better. Not great, but better. Um, so, yeah, I- I'm-, I'm glad we watched this movie. I would definitely watch it again. It's just, you know, it's not it's not the greatest film ever made. It's not uh, really in the conversation of, like, great war movies or anything. It's fine. It's a fun little movie. There's... A lot of pieces put in place for what could be. There's a framework for a great movie in there. Somewhere in there, I believe on the on the cutting room floor, there's a great movie here. It's just not what we got. Fair enough. Uh, this movie entertained me from start until the middle, and then uh, I, I want to fast forward 20 minutes, and then I was entertained from there until the end. Um, the middle, that middle scene, honestly can't express how poorly done it is how much it detracts from the film how much it derails it uh you take it out and uh it's still gonna get the same score for me but uh i would probably this would actually if you took that middle scene out i could actually probably offer a recommendation for this movie um maybe Uh, again it it's i didn't hate the movie i was entertained i probably could watch this again but i'd probably try to talk myself or whoever wanted to watch it out of it into watching something much better Mm. um it's it's fine it's fine it's fun you'll watch it you'll forget it i don't think this is the kind of movie that's going to stick around in people's minds for very long yeah that's i think you know at worst it's forgettable i guess would be the um it it I don't think it's a bad movie. It is a, no, it's, is a, a it's not a bad movie. It is a good movie with some serious flaws. Yes. Yeah, it is not a bad movie at all. I didn't hate it. I I, I would have no problem rewatching it. I wouldn't dread it. Mm-hmm. Uh like I was with Pacific Rim. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah, Sam. You made me watch Roadhouse the following week. Yeah, do you have no idea how excited all of my friends were that you watched it and loved it oh as much God. as you did? Did you get any reactions on that episode? Uh, no, surprisingly not. <sighs> Posers. I know. Uh, Sam, your rating of Fury. I think we're still in solid three territory. Um, I Like I said, I enjoyed this movie, and I'm not going to resist watching it like if it's if it's on tv and there's 
no sports on and Netflix is broken and um, <laughs> my laptop isn't charged. I'll probably watch it for sure. But yeah, there's just just don't watch this movie and then watch Saving Private Ryan instead. It's as simple as that. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. It's a three. I, it's it's like I said, it's good enough. It's good enough where I, I think I've switched my. I've switched my stance a little bit, Sam. If somebody says, hey, I'm going to watch Fury, I wouldn't say, don't do it. Yeah. Basically, that's the best I can give this movie. <laughs> you wouldn't stop somebody. I wouldn't if they stop were watch somebody. Movie. Yeah. So if somebody was like, hey, I'm going to watch uh, Batman v Superman, I'd be like, don't you fucking dare. Yeah. Tie them up. Just do whatever you can to, to prevent them from going to a movie screen. Yeah. But if someone's like, "Hey, I'm gonna watch, uh, I'm gonna watch Fury tonight," I'd be like, "Yeah, go ahead. Let me know what you think." I, I look forward to hearing your response. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's it's just fine. It's it's an easy three. It's it was never never in danger of a two, but also zero chance of a four. <laughs> yeah, I agree. On on further reflection in this movie, uh, if you removed the middle. Uh, 20 minutes this would not be promoted to a four it would it would not be it's it's in three territory if we did half points if you took out the middle part would you give it a three and a half no it's a big if i know you would never allow that but uh yeah it would uh it it would probably that's the thing i don't even know if it would it might just still be a three yeah yeah see there we go all right that's the worst part of the movie but it's not the only bad part of the movie yeah agreed Mm -hmm. Uh, i'll If they took out that middle part and took out that SS soldier, I still couldn't give it another. I couldn't get it to a four. Still can't get it to a four. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like I, I said, I think the main problem with this movie is the writing. And again, from all the trivia you just listed, just sort of confirms that they didn't really know what this movie was. This movie didn't seem to have a point. It seemed to think it was saving Private Ryan, but... It wasn't, um, you know, it, it just was, it was very skin deep. And uh, even there, it, it had some moments where it suffered. So, yeah, it, it, there was some work to be done. I think with a little bit more work on this movie, especially with the writing and the editing, they could have really made something great. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. What could have been? What could have been? Uh, all right. So before we head out, uh, I'd like to remind everybody that you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Luminary, and I'm missing one. I can't remember. Just Google us, whatever. Yeah. Oh, iTunes. Uh, if you can, give us a five-star review, uh, five-star rating and a, and a nice little positive review on iTunes as it actually does increase our profile and allows more people to find this podcast and if you're ever sitting around with your friends just talking about podcasts why don't you recommend us to your friends we'd love to get some more listeners we'd love to get some more people on board uh the samuel Emanuel movie train and yeah that's uh oh yeah on instagram and twitter you can find us at sam underscore manny underscore movie and email us at sam manny movie podcast at gmail.com gorgeous sam what's going on next week it's about damn time, Manny. We got to uh, we got to a movie I've been trying to squeeze into the schedule. We've had to reschedule a couple of times due to conflicts that we've had. It is I I'm gonna say, go off the top of my head and say the 1997 movie starring Jim Carrey, uh, and that's the Cable Guy, which I am very excited to talk about. It is definitely an underrated uh, hidden gem. 
uh, and or guilty pleasure. I guess we'll discover next week which exactly it is. I'm very excited to rewatch. It's been a couple of years. And uh, yeah, we will we'll see you next week for episode 81, The Cable Guy. Awesome. So for the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast, I'm Manny Manuel. On one, I'm Sam Reimer. Adios.